This podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. In less than five minutes, you can start your own podcast for free with ShoutEngine.com. Episode 103 of the Universe Podcast. How are you doing, Blake? I'm doing great, Chris. So uh, That was our fastest intro yet. I like it. I yeah. Like, I like the snappy-ass intro. This is nice. I, you know, I roll a little differently than you and, and Jeff do. That's with true. The I really appreciate uh, that. I think the brevity is a whole thing when, when you produce, I don't know, several hundred podcasts. Damn right. We're probably on the clock here, Chris. We've got to get going with this. Yeah. Let's move. Let's move. Chris, we'll, we'll Chris I'm, like I'm idly thumbing through Race Car Vehicle Dynamics by William F. Milliken and Douglas Ella Milliken. And by oddly, he means he's wearing clown shoes on his cock. I'm an idly, but mm-hmm. oddly as well. But, you know, that's what I wear when I'm being idle. Yeah. And, um, you know, wow. this this book is full of gems. I'm telling you, this book is just full of the passion and joy of what it means to drive a car at its limits, including sentences such as, S-A-J, J-6, S-A-E, J670 defines the longitudinal slip velocity S as the difference between the angular velocity of the driven or braked wheel, omega, and the angular velocity of the freewheeling wheel, omega zero, that is S equals omega minus omega zero. Yeah, the first thing that you see when you open up that book is uh, sign graphs. Yeah. So it's um, a lot of formulas and a lot of, lot, a lot of formulas and Greek symbols. And this is giving me PTSD back to me- a mechanical engineering classes freshman year. I forgot you you were doing that. My dad's a mechanical engineering professor. Yeah. And naturally, I thought I had to become a mechanical engineering professor. And then I realized I couldn't hack at this whole math and science thing. And now I'm a destitute writer. You know, half of the half the mechanical engineering, well, half of that kind of engineering in general, anything, anything actually dealing with physical forces or just physics in general, a lot of it's memorization. That's I true. I mean, you have to be smart. I really have no good uh, memory. But... Like, it's remembering all the formulas and how to apply them and things like that. It's not physics, like yeah, it's magic. Physics totally does make sense. Physics, I was I was pretty good at physics. I think I did pretty well in physics 1 and 2. And then I failed Calc 2 twice. I always sucked in those classes because I couldn't remember the formulas. It's not right. that I couldn't do it. It's that to arbitrarily remember a formula. And I'm like, I have, like, a device in my pocket where I right. could look this up. That was back when I had a Palm Pilot attached to a cellular phone. Hey, this is back before when I didn't have cell phones back then. I had my TI-83 Plus Silver Edition. Yeah. And even then, it was silly. I usually, I usually just used it to play snood. Yeah. Even then, it was silly to try and, like, force people to memorize things. We was just like, well, that's why we have books. And, right. And the interweb. I even I even learned how to use a slide rule for a day. You did. I never even did that. I think I think it was like an engin- it was like an intro engineering class, and they're like, "Here's a slide rule. This is how you use it." And you know, you slide it out, and you look up the formulas and everything, and then you build Apollo Eleven. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. That's how they did it. They also built the Apollo Eleven and the Jensen FF, the first four wheel drive car, and then now, what do we have? The Mercedes CLA. Uh, yeah, which is a much better four-wheel drive car from a functionality standpoint. Well, from, Not from necessarily the CLA 45 AMG guys, yeah. guys, but the 250 sucks. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a base model Mercedes. It's a very base model Mercedes. I did drive a better Mercedes this weekend. I have to say, one of the rare times I get press cars, and possibly my last press car, ladies and gentlemen, um, was a is a Mercedes-Benz SL 550. 
You know, the funny thing, you say the last press car, I doubt it. I very highly uh, doubt it. But for, when I pulled now. up, I, when I pulled up, I'm like, okay, who's driving the dentist car? Yeah, exactly. It is very much a dentist car, but I it's pearl really white. like this thing. I really like it. Yeah. It's pearl white and it has red seats, which is my ideal convertible combination. I love that combination. On anything. It's very mid-cocaine 1980s color But it's combo. also very JDM. A lot of S2000s had that. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. Because Japan's, Japan's national racing color is white. Well, yeah, it makes sense. And red Japan, seats. Japanese flag. Red seats add horsepower. Remember that. Yes, they do. So I actually like oxblood red seats in, like, in, in like a really dark These are the dark bloodiest car. of oxes. These yeah. are like the Dexter just killed an oxblood red. Sweet. It's awesome. Murder and, seats. Not just a seat, it's the entire thing. It's, it's a it's a very comfortable car. It actually has a really great chassis. <coughs> it's it's fucking quick. It's four hundred sixty nine horsepower on a four point four liter twin turbo V eight. Well, the funny thing to me is that they gave you an SL five fifty, which you don't usually see the five fifties out in the journalist fleet because they're just like, well, let's go with the AMG. Yeah, let's go with the AMG. But you know, I was driving this thing and I was like, you know. It sounds awesome, but it's not obnoxiously loud. Mm-hmm. Um, it handles it handles pretty damn well, and um, you know you can cruise around in it all day as I was doing. But you can also just stomp on it, and it's still quick as hell. You know the AMG is for people who just really want that extra level of maybe posing because you know you either want to pose or you're gonna take it to a track day for some fucking reason. Well, yeah, on a on an SL, I mean, it's not really a full on performance car. I mean, if you're no, gonna buy not. a full on performance Mercedes, you're gonna buy probably. A C63 or, or a an GT. AMG. A GT, a GT right. Yeah. But honestly, I, I just fucking... I'm so obsessed with this idea of grand touring these days. Like, you know, if you want to drive from Paris to Milan in a day, you know, this is the old school way of thinking. You jump in your Citroen SM, you put the ladies in the back with your Louis Vuitton steamer trunks, and you just fucking cruise 150 miles an hour down some impeccable motorway. I fucking love that idea these days. Yeah, but we don't live in Europe. We don't live in Europe, and this is not 1972 anymore, before the embargo. So, I, I don't know. I still think the SL550, it's, it's, it's kind of a charming car. I'd like it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously nice. I mean, what was the price tag on it? Did 120 you 120 Of course it was. Yeah. There, are, there are a lot of other cars I'd personally get, but uh, it's, it's definitely got its charms. I yeah, thought it was going to be big and floaty and I'm crappy. I think the GT price starts at about, what, 140 150 Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're actually going to go with a sporting endeavor, because if, by the time you bump up to an AMG package on that car, you probably had another at least fifteen grand on it. Right. And It'd be silly to buy an SL AMG when you could buy the AMG GT. And every, every SL has had that Beverly Hills housewife image to it, which oh, I can't help. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone sends history, essentially. And, and it's funny. Sometimes the SLs have a way of, of aging not so gracefully. They can no. look very old very quick. The... the I believe it's the R107, the 70s ones. Yeah. Yeah. Those don't age gracefully, yet I still kind of want one. And yet they used to be cheaper, and now they're going up in value. It's well, I mean, thing. but I mean, not like, not where the point where they're turning into a quote-unquote classic, but when they're 10 years old, right. they don't look 10 years old. They look really fucking old. You yeah. know, it's, yeah. they look all slab-sided and everything. Like, they, they look like the owner has entirely too much chest hair and more than one item of clothing with leopard print on it. It's like... It's like... Let me give you an example, Chris. Jack Baruth has a 70s slash 80s Mercedes SL. That makes sense. That, I think, is to be our end all, ladies and gentlemen. That makes that perfect, perfect sense. sense. Uh, but yeah, uh, the SL... Eh, I mean, I, I, the SL... Don't get me wrong. The SL65 in the used market oh, is yeah. a great bargain. 
Uh, yeah. Or the SL63 for that matter. I really wanted an SL65 when I was growing up, and you know I saw those things out there, and I was like, oh, fucking V12, buy turbo. Yeah. 600, what is it, 600 horsepower? 708 trillion pound-feet of torque? Yeah, and they limit the take? power because their transmission couldn't take more. They limit the power because the Earth's rotation would literally spin the other direction. All right, Jeremy Clarkson. All right. Yeah. Power. Uh, but... Uh, Hold on, let me adjust the volume here a little bit. That's much better. Right. Um, sorry, sorry, I had to use a hacky old Jeremy Clarkson line. I feel like a disgusting person. I but it doesn't matter because apparently oh. you're not an automotive journalist anymore. Nope. Nope. Proudly, as we sit on a podcast that's, that's and why, talk about them. Yeah, exactly. That's why. That's why Jeff Glucker is the one flying to the Nurburgring 24 with Aston Martin on an A380 business class. No, that's I because that's because Jeff does favors in. On, you know, in places we'd rather not talk about for Aston Martin employees because there's no other conceivable <laughs> I, I, I reason. I was kind of afraid you'd go there, but there's I'm no other conceivable reason that Jeff gets that much access to Aston Martins. They're, they're cars, yeah, and then they just really fucking love Jeff. I don't know too many people that get that get. I mean, maybe Lieberman gets that Jeff much access. Jeff and Marker. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there's not too many people that they like that as much as I like Jeff. I I, I do like Jeff. Mm-hmm. But come on, the Aston Martin thing. It's a little silly. I got to tell you, I i had the Vantage GT for a weekend with the mm-hmm. manual. It's a fucking awesome car. It's like a its like a big wooly Corvette. Yeah. But well, I took my girlfriend. A significantly heavier one. That's true. That. I, I took my girlfriend out in it, and I like to get a lot of automotive opinions from her, honestly. Mm-hmm. And uh, she fucking hated that car. I've never seen her hate a car as much as she hated that car. She thought the suspension was way too bouncy because I took her at like midnight on a on a drive around Malibu and everything and like hit up some of the canyons just for mm-hmm. fun because I was giving a car back the next day and she fucking hated that thing. Yeah. I'll be damned. Whatever. It wasn't built for her. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's, it, that's, that's, a that's, car. that's true. I mean, maybe it's if I got a be... vanquish Volante with her. Yeah. Speaking of Aston, I need a sedan for mid June. That's true. If anyone's listening to Aston Martin, maybe a Rapide would be great. I actually really like driving the Rapide. Yeah, I actually I, did that I need thing. to book something, just something that's a decent sedan of mid size, hopefully of some sort of luxury status. Because there's going to be a lot of time spent in seats, shuttling family back. Where are you and going forth. to Mecula? Yeah, gorgeous Wait. Temecula. It's my sister's wedding, and so. she's having it in Temecula. Wine country. Is that wine country? Yes, it's it's the Southern California wine country. You know, country, uh, let yeah. me tell you, when we were driving, I went to I went to Pacific Grove with the Mercedes this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic place, by the way. It's basically Monterey, but minus all the shitty tourists who go to Cannery Row and pretend they're the next fucking Steinbeck. And Pacific Grove is like all quiet and, um, you know, great restaurants and everything. Um the buildings are really cool. We stayed in we stayed in an Airbnb that was uh, owned by John Steinbeck in 1941. Oh, so not everybody was trying to do Steinbeck, just you, just me, because yeah. you know I'm a writer who uses writing as an uh, excuse for his crippling alcoholism. But um, it was it was a great time. We took the coast road up and back both ways. We stopped at the Henry Miller Library, and on the way back, we stopped in Los Olivos. Actually, we tried to pass through Los Olivos. They were having a jazz and olive festival in June, early June. Which actually I sounded kind of awesome. Would want to gouge my eyes out with a cocktail fork. If there I were plenty that. of those at that. I know there are plenty I, I of those. There at would that. be. There, there does not sound a less interesting. My, my point is, wine country is just anywhere north of Thousand Oaks. And if you just kind of went to Santa Barbara, even like which is where Los Olivos is, about twenty miles uh, north. 
east of northwest of there. That's know. wine country. Yeah, well, Sylvain. We're going to Temecula. Beautiful Temecula. Just that's isn't that wait is that next to the Air Force Base or is that Tehachapi? I don't know. It's okay. it's desert. There are desert people. It is near the Salton Sea. Oh, that's the other end of Temecula. Okay, that's yeah. not Tehachapi. I got confused with Tehachapi, but um, it's still also depressing. But it's Temecula. There's lots of McMansions and wineries. So oh boy, uh, yeah. So that's that's so I got a shuttle family around for that okay. that whole event. Uh, I'm hoping that I can book something here. I really got to email people. Yeah, I uh, sent you a bunch of contacts. Yeah, yeah, and gotta, none of them listen to this podcast. Because we make fun of them too much. I don't really make fun of them I too don't. much. Well, okay, you don't. Um, I was about to say Jeff. Jeff does, and I kind of do too. Yeah. Ah, I like but new cars. You guys don't like new cars. That's the whole problem. Sorry. Yeah. Which, Speaking of which, I am looking for a classic car. Taking I, up suggestions. Okay, so here's my question for you, Blake. You have – we'll just get it out of the way and say the Miata is going away. And we won't say any more about it just because they're The Miata things. is going away. Um, and I'm okay with that. Right. But I want to get to the level where I don't, I don't need a car and I want a car. Because there is a drastic difference there, lady and gentlemen. There's a drastic difference between needing a car to get to work and getting stuck in an hour-long commute down to 405 and wanting a car to actually go hit up a canyon road or even go on this ridiculous, fantastical grand touring fantasy that I apparently have. And that's really the key difference between why people think car culture is dying and why people hate cars versus people who love cars. Because, you know, there there's never a car enthusiast that was ever born on a 405. And I want to get to the level where I don't need a car. I can just, you know, either walk to work or take public transportation for all my daily boring run-of-the-mill grind crap and then drive a car on a weekend because I'm a cool person and I have great hair. Okay. My question is, so you want to do a classic car, but given all of the hassle that you've had over the last couple of years with a car that wasn't even classic, that was a, that was a handful, Right. why do you want to take on that? Because I'm a terrible person. And honestly, that, really, that question really has kept me up at night. Um, why do I want a classic car is because, you know, I, I've, I've gotten burned on a modern car and that kind of has me burned on cars in general, which is a funny thing to say on a car-themed podcast. You uh, might have to understand my skepticism, though, that owning a car is probably not exactly good for my health and sanity uh, in general. Well, owning cars that are constantly broken or not. Right. Cars that aren't broken, you don't worry about. Right. Um, which is why I came back to that, you know, that classic car question. Because you get an old car, you're going to have old car problems. Right. But at least if you get an old car, you have old car problems. You expect to have old car problems. I think the reason why I was so upset over everything that happened with my Miata over the last year and a half is because I've been told from everyone on the planet that, you know, the Miata is just the most reliable car on the planet, the most reliable sports car, the most reliable pseudo-British car, the most reliable Japanese car. You know, you can get 100,000 miles, 200, 300,000 miles out of it. And for my car to have all just run me through the ringer through the past year and a half and keep me up at night and get me pretty depressed at times, I'm going to be honest about it, it's because I never expected it to happen to this car. Remember, I drove this car across the country. I find it cute that life hasn't beaten the shit out of you enough that cars can still depress you. Oh, thanks, Chris. That's precious. Well, also, I didn't live in Florida. And also, I don't have a garage. I think if I had a garage, honestly, this would be way easier. Uh, you relative. keep your Corvette in a garage. Yeah. Yeah, I do. 
Or a car hole. I keep it in I, I keep it in my car hole. Keep it in the car hole. Yeah. I don't have a car hole. Car hole. I've street parked this thing for every year of every every day of my life except for like an four month period where I actually lived in a house. Well, I mean the the thing the garage buys me is is a little bit of space to work on. Exactly. Things. Exactly. And the security knowing that you can actually park a car without having to worry about it getting nicked or a parking ticket. Well, I have a me. spot. That's right. the whole thing. Is, is so long as you have a spot, it doesn't suck. Like even if you don't have a garage, and you're in you know shared parking space or whatever, you know, or underground parking or what have you, so long as you know you have a space, it's okay. It's that whole you live downtown and not being guaranteed space to park. Right. That That's why sucks. I have my motorcycle because parking a car in my neighborhood sucks. I was I was in awe that you managed to keep that F one fifty in your neighborhood for like four or five days. And it's it's not just street sweeping; it's also drunk ass college kids and a million of them with their the BMWs their ba- daddies bought them. Yeah, so they're bouncing off things as they drive down the road. Right, and they don't exactly. care. Yeah, my last neighborhood wasn't as bad, but it still sucks. It's it's a requirement at this point. I'm not living anywhere that doesn't have parking because right. I'm beyond that point in my life where I'm willing to walk around the block nine times, uh, you know, or drive around the block nine times hoping that yeah, somebody yeah, leaves. Exactly. Um, no, I got to get to that level. Luckily, well, it's not that. Let me tell you, Blake. It's not that high of an aspiration to want a parking spot. Chris, Chris, the apartment I live in with my girlfriend right now doesn't even have a table. Yeah, we, we have a we have an ottoman, and we're just like someday we're gonna eat dinner on a table. I don't have a table in my house. You have a coffee table. I have a coffee table, but and that's you have like, a desk that your computer's on. I have a desk that I work on with all my work papers and everything, and a lot of room to. Put like a hungry man frozen dinner there. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. but you know, uh, this this generation has to demand a lot of different things than another previous generation. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means, but I don't know either. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so vagaries. I want a cool car. <laughs> uh, you want a cool car? Uh, well, I tossed out S2000 for a second there. S2000 is cool. It's very cool. It's um. Well, it I think I think a lot of them are doing. I'll, what? It's in line with what you were doing. That's true, and I also had the idea of a BMW Z3 only because I I like the styling a lot more than the uh, S2000, and at the same time, like I might want to move away from Japanese cars, even though they are sensible and reliable. Yeah, and I you know honestly I think S2000 values have kind of fallen a bit now that they they aren't new cars and they're in that gray area right now where they're not new cars and they're not beloved classic hoarders cars mm-hmm. and they've kind of become more reasonable. I think you can fi- I can find one for at least eight grand without a salvage title because every one of them has a salvage title and also hundred thirty nine thousand miles on them and like some crappy bullshit AEM intake they bought from a shitty well, catalog here's somewhere. The other key is don't look exclusively on Craigslist. Right. Because Craigslist is cheap. Once you get below the ten thousand dollar mark on Craigslist, you're you things get interesting. Put and horrible, way. you mean. Yeah. And and don't forget you can look out of state too. I mean, because you can, it's always feasible to go fly to Nevada or something and pick up a car. That's true. And I've always wanted to do that. I really um, have always wanted to do that. And CarMax, especially if you're buying used. Don't right, right. But that's them. late model, so that's good. Um, I've, I've been looking at, say, Datsun 240Zs, which is a terrible idea, but also hilarious. Um, and those those are um, – I, I find that the increasing values on those has been greatly exaggerated. I'm finding them for 75 and 8500 bucks. You know, I was talking to one of the guys at work today, 
who said, you know, I remember when they were 1500 bucks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you adjust that for inflation and calculate the fact that they were just used cars at that point, you know, they finally, at that point they had hit the in-between mark. They hadn't become collectible cars yet. Oh, you mean in 1980 when they were $1,500? Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Before, seven years before I was born, you know. 35 years ago. Yeah. yeah. That sort um, of thing. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, 240 is a great car. Do you think, uh, okay, so when you go to buy this, is this something that you think that you're going to maintain yourself or? As much as I can. Yeah. Kind of a learning process like what Jeff's doing with the Hoon truck. Okay. And definitely not a car that would be sitting in the shop that um, horrible things will happen afterwards. Well, I mean, that's, who knows? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's always right. up in the air. That's, that's true. But have you ever thought, and here's one that I, I'm surprised uh, that hadn't come up. What about E30s? I've thought about E30s. I feel like that's kind of the default car you'd move up to after a Miata. It's like it's like the Gran Turismo game of life. You're 16. You just graduated, and you're like, I got to buy myself a cheap car. You got either a Miata or an E30, and then eventually you branch out and you rack up a million credits, and then you buy a GT40. Well, but I, thought, I, I thought you were kind of go, trying to go for mechanically simple. Mechanically simple, yeah. Um, also interesting, e- E30s are getting up to the collectible zone. Uh, E21s are not. The one that came before the uh, before the E30. And mm-hmm. the 320Is of the late 70s, early 80s are the best most mechanically sorted ones of those. They had the Bosch Ktronic fuel injection, which is actually a very simple mechanical system, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, 320Is are four cylinders. They're uh, rear-wheel drive. You can get them with an LSD if you get the IS model. And um, they, they, cl- they kind of find the range. I found a really sweet one for about three grand, actually uh, 3500 bucks, but it, um, I guess it got sold in a week. And then there's a few on eBay that are really nice for like nine grand. So I feel like the ideal classic car that's not, you know, an E-type Jaguar is probably going to be under ten grand. Uh, yeah. Ten grand can, or minimum. You can probably, and you know what, a, a, a you know, an old BMW at eight or nine thousand dollars that's probably already had most of the bugs sorted with it. Right. It's probably not going to be a bad buy, especially something from E30, you know, from that E30 group on, you know, or below the E30, anything prior to E36. Right. Right. Um, and E36s probably, are great cars too. They're they're in the beater status. They haven't become collectible yet. No, no, M3. they're not even close to being collectible. Right. Um, unless it's an M3, and M3 is the ones around LA are all like you know fucking. The German equivalent of riced out, crowded out, I guess, with like the crappy angel eyes and some Pep Boys wheels and everything. Well, yeah, Fake because they went from the them. original owners to then the secondhand market. It was still a decently expensive car from then. And then after it made its run through the secondhand market, then the high school kids started getting it. Yep. And now it's whoever needs a $4,000 car buys them. Oh, God. That is, that is the depressing fate of every car we've ever loved. Yeah, that's that's how that's, they that's go. That's the circle of life. Yeah. Um, so all of that aside, anything else that you're kind of – I mean, BMW – I do – I really do want to play with differing a format from what I had. So I had a four-cylinder rear-wheel drive convertible. And, you know, if I can get a six-cylinder rear-wheel drive car of some sort or a front-engine front-wheel drive Either Acura Integra or Saab 900, something with a turbocharger, maybe. See, now there you go. You say an Acura Integra. Now that becomes a sensible vehicle. That is a very sensible vehicle. And I have found, we we, we played this game a few weeks ago. I, I did find a couple of GSRs stock. 
I I I would say that's a probably a that's probably a buy. That's probably a good car. Or yeah. an RSX too. Oh, my cousin had an RSX automatic non S, and it was a great car. RSX. Really is, well, I mean, it's it's a better looking Integra. That's true. That's what it is. Problem is, RSXs are still the sort of like oh, I stuck a bunch of red Honda badges on it. Yeah, I think you could probably. I mean, they were that's common enough be. that you can probably still find Lexus IS three hundreds. Yeah. Those are good. Although those are getting really high mileage these days. Yes, they are. Zach almost bought one. Yeah, Zach, Zach almost bought one. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the other, there's the other one that you were looking at before, LS400. Oh, I fucking love LS400. Why don't you get an LS400? You know what? I really do think that is my de facto sensible car. I found a lot of them, even Gen 2s, like 96 and up and everything. Three grand, twenty nine hundred bucks, and I think that that's I think the if you one... were going to buy one, buy the Gen two because then even the few things that were wrong with it before, yeah. But honestly, of. some of the Gen ones I found have like a hundred thousand miles on them, mm-hmm. pristine looking, at least from the photos. The Peterson actually has a two thousand Lexus LS four hundred Platinum Edition, two hundred ninety three thousand miles on it. Dude, you should go, totally go buy an LS four hundred. I drove that thing to Costa Mesa once and back. It was amazing, immaculate. Just blasted ninety three five K day in it and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? If I can't bo- if I can't find a, a car to book for next month, you should just. I'm buy take- one. No, 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 I'm not no, doing that. You should just take Matt's. I'm taking Matt's 900 Matt's 000. is actually in the uh, Peterson vault. He's right storing now. it there because, yeah, right now. I saw it uh, when I was at work because I was like, oh, when did, how do we get another LS400? Hey, this one's kind of ratty. Wait a minute. And I looked inside it. Yep, 906,000 miles on it. Yeah. And you know what? The reason Matt's car is there is because he's going to show it at the Japanese car cruising that the Peterson Museum is having. Oh, that's right. May 17th. Yeah, because Matt left. I did a podcast with him yesterday, and he was leaving today. I was like, why the hell did he have that there? But that, that answers it. We've actually got some great cars showing up. Uh, first of all, we have over 200 cars signed up, which is amazing. The turnout for that is epic. Um, we are going to show off our... Um, 1983 or 1982 Datsun 280ZX to Z stands for is awesome. Major awesome. motion from Nissan. That's what all the ads said. It was awesome. Wow. <laughs> get ready. All the ads were like, get ready for awesome. Nissan. And it was like the 280ZX from Datsun. I, uh, wow. I, don't, I can't handle the 1980s, and I was born there. Yeah, and this, is, this isn't even talking about the black gold 280ZX, yeah. which, you know, is the legendary. Anyway, our, um, our 280ZX was donated a few years ago. It has about 35,000 miles on it. It is immaculate, and it smells like plums inside. It's, why does it smell like plums? It just does. I don't know. Maybe, someone, maybe like the, car, the cleaner they used on it yeah, or something like that. It smells strange. awesome. That is strange. It's, um, it's immaculate. I think everyone's going to check it out when they get there. Toyota lent us a Lexus LFA, which is I, great. I love that car. It's that is, such a good car. It's such a good car. It's just so well put together. Yeah, it's awesome. I don't like really have a thing for Lexuses. That car I really like. I, I feel like I kind of have a thing for either old, old Lexuses or Lexus supercars. Because, you know, you know I've enjoyed that RCF we had. That's a far cry from a supercar. That's that's true, but it's a pretty good car. It's a very that is a Grand Tour. Yeah, that's a Grand Tour. You drove that to Santa Barbara. I drove that to Santa Barbara for dinner on a whim. Yeah, exactly. That is the sort of motoring I'd like to. That use. was that was that was some Grand Touring. Yeah, an LS four hundred is actually the most sensible classic car I could buy. But Chris, let me tell you, I am a terrible person, and I was looking up nine twenty fours today. 
Porsche 924. Are you just looking to like throw? I, if you want to just get rid of money, you can just throw it at me. Y- if you want me to get rid of money, there is a Porsche 924 Turbo on Craigslist right now with 92,000 miles for 4,600 bucks. And if I wanted to throw away money, I would call that guy tomorrow. How how do you have Chinese parents and are this bad with money? My my parents are not bad with money. I am. That's what I mean. Horrible with money. That's what I mean. Usually, that gets all my other friends that are from Chinese or Korean families. Their parents beat that out of them. Like, uh, you, you know. You know why I'm not. You know why I'm not bad with money because I haven't bought it yet. That's that, the thing. Okay. That's the thing. Also, because I bought a uh, Miata with, uh, you know. Whatever. Yeah. But anyway, um, honestly, if I were to get a Porsche 924, and I do have this sick appreciation for them, uh, Porsche 924 S, 1987, 1988, 2.5 liter engine, 100. 50 horsepower in American market. American market basically it was a 944 motor in the 924 body, which was lighter and more aerodynamic, but still piss slow. It's pretty slow. But I'm used car. to slow cars. That's that's real slow though. I think I think the 924, the I mean the 944, which is a car I like, and uh, you know Steph Schrader, if you're listening out there, that's right. Um, that that car with 150 horsepower, I think it did zero to sixty in eight. Point five seconds, eight point seven, or something like that. That's pretty wheezy. That's pretty slow. But the um, the nine forty four turbo had I think two hundred ten horsepower, and the nine twenty nine forty four turbo. Okay, once you once you start hitting two hundred horsepower, that starts to get to be a usable amount of power. Yeah, the later ones had I think two hundred forty seven horsepower. Yeah, I mean, and the chassis was still like around twenty five hundred pounds. I find that two hundred horsepower is pretty much my cutoff for like where a car feels like. 200 horsepower is a usable amount of power in anything above 3,000 pounds. Right. You know, and if it's if it's less than that, it gets pretty slow. Yeah, but, you know, my tastes run so vast and terrifyingly diverse that I was also looking at MGB GTs. MGBs, right? But the coupe version, the cool coupe version. Wow. Yeah. I, I think yeah, that just I mean, finally it's made an interesting, head explode. Yeah. Well, I was just looking like, so you didn't like the headaches of the Miata. Those things are probably going to be more robust than that. Whatever the hell I went through with my car. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ninety-five maybe. horsepower, zero to sixteen in about seven weeks. Um, but they're nice and light. They made five hundred eighty-five thousand of them. Uh, they're basically a British Miata. That um, you know, you can probably figure out how to run. Yeah, you know they're what? I got robust. I got in uh, yesterday that yeah. I had not been in as of yet. Uh, uh, Smoking Tires own uh, Harrison, who is our uh, intern that does some video editing with us. Did he finally get rid of his Saturn? He got rid of his Saturn. Yes! And on my recommendation, when we were dicking around last week, I was like, what about Fiat 500 electrics? Did he get one? He bought one yesterday. That's a great car. Uh, I I went in that, and I'm like, legitimately, had had the deal that they've been doing been available when I bought my Fiesta... I don't think I would have been able to turn it down. I'm pretty sure they had the deal with you or buying your Fiesta. I, but that I, is an amazing deal. Did he get the $99 a month thing? Yeah. With like three grand down? Two grand down. Two grand down? Yeah, that's an awesome deal. The, the girlfriend and I were looking at those too. She actually just really likes the regular Fiat 500 too. Which is an awful car. The 500E is much better. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's true. The, the, the Fiat 500 in every other form, awful car. Right. The E, fantastic. It's really cool. One, because it's dirt cheap. Two, right. You don't have. You're not going to have any of the Fiat mechanical problems. You know we're going to come with that car. Yeah, it's true. And three, it's torquey as hell. And four, it looks good. Yeah, it looks okay. It's yeah, not it looks pretty good. It's inoffensive. I'll put it that way. I like them. Um, 
Yeah, but it's nice because it does. It's not a fast car, but it's got that torque to get it up and going relatively quickly. You know, it gets to sixty and then it kind of dies off from there. Right. But that's all that car really needs to do. But I mean, Harrison lives like what four miles from here. Yeah, he's in college. He makes like no money. Right. It's the perfect car because the only thing you're responsible for at that point are brakes, brakes and tires. Right. Which you know, how many miles are you going to have to replace those at? With him driving with a 19-year-old with a torque and electric drivetrain, he'll probably be putting tires on it in a year. But <laughs> that's a year. Tires for that are probably what three hundred dollars. Yeah, they can those on trees in Italy on the on, on Tuscan villas. I believe at the Pirelli estate, right? Oh yes, yes. yes. That's a that's a fine vintage right there, Chris. Yes, it is. Um, however, that vintage you want to get rid of when it's past three years old. That, that is true. That's true. But it comes with some nice calendars, though. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I was impressed with that little car. The interesting what he, color did it get? That's a real. It was, it was a uh, silver one. Oh, good. Uh, and was, then it was, was it a sport model? Because I remember going into the Fiat dealership in downtown LA, and they said they only could get sport models. No, he didn't get the sport model because apparently the only real difference are the wheels. It's like the wheels, and you get a fucking sunroof. There was no point, and I hate sunroofs. Yeah, I tolerate them. I don't. If there's no other option, Your Corvette's got a T-top, right? That it's not a T-top. Target top. It's a Target, target top. top. Different right. thing. Um, Mine, I had, I actually got the see-through roof on it after the fact. Okay. Because I got it for a steal from a guy that was selling his vet. Um, but it's also way lighter than the regular roof. Well, that's cool. That makes because sense. Because it's just like this really thin, thin plastic that's, it's actually kind of cool. The SL500 has the elect- electrostatic or whatever it's called roof where you press oh, a button yeah. and it like goes from this dark blue to opaque. It's really cool. I just drive it's, around playing with it. It's very, it's, yeah. It's, it's a, very a, cool. You would. Apply an electrical charge to it, then it changes the polarity of. I think it's the, called like, isn't it piezoelectric or something like that? Uh, that's a slightly different thing. Okay. But, um, this <laughs> is, Look at me pretending to know things. This is closer to the technology like a Kindle. Right, that makes sense. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really cool. Uh, however, I wonder how that's going to fare over time, especially if you live somewhere cold. Yeah. Probably not. You know well. what? You know what? Mercedes buyers don't give a shit about no, that. No, because sort of they thing. dump those cars when the lease is up. Yeah, damn right. As they should. Mm hmm. Conspicuous consumption, and then the and then the depreciation drops like half a value. It's great. Yeah, and that's when you pick them up in the used market if you're willing to fix things yourself. Oh yeah, uh, which is uh, I really really need to drive that new C63. Yeah, I heard that's awesome. Um, I've heard nothing but favorable things about it so far. Well, you and I both loved the old one. Oh yeah. Well, I love such a good car. I love the engine. Right. I was not crazy about the transmission. Yeah, that's true. The transmission was. Blech. I'll tell you this transmission. It's pretty damn good. It does everything you want it when you want it to do it. That's what Mercedes has gotten better with. Mercedes has gotten better in terms of their driving dynamics and their transmissions and things like that. They've always had great motors. Mm -hmm. Always had. Oh, yeah. But it's always been their transmissions have been kind of a little, eh, little little slow. And then the chassis are sometimes a little uh, little rolly. But now they're... No, nothing like that at all. This chassis has, you know, sport mode and comfort mode, which is about all that we're going to give you. And I can't really tell the difference, except in comfort mode, things get a little bit wooly when you take a corner fast. And in in sport mode, you know, that kind of buttons down a little bit. But then, like, in terms of actual ride comfort, I couldn't really tell much of a difference. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It'd be – I'll have to go – we'll have to go take it out after the show and see how it is. Let's do it. Um, And then the other one I'm really looking forward to is ATSV. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, that uh, one still has a manual. Yeah. that's like. Well, I mean, that's not a hard line for me, though. I mean, if you've got a good dual clutch these days, I don't mind. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, realistic. I mean, and you know the car that really swayed my opinion in that for regular street cars 
was the RCF. Yeah. I got used to it in that car, and I'm like, you know what? I don't hate this anymore. No, I, I don't either. Honestly, I mean, this current Mercedes transmission and even the Volkswagen Volkswagen's Humble's DSG, both pretty good for me. Yeah, the Volkswagen's never been bad. Um, yeah. I've always I've always been okay with that. Um, right. And then just, you know, I, and then you got PDK, and PDK's fantastic. PDK, PDK, actually, you're right. That is the first transmission that ever did it for me because, I, because that's that's like the line where you're like, automatic transmissions suck, and then you're like, this is telepathic. I, I'm not even going to say something like telepath or whatever. It just in the 911 that transmission suits that car. Yeah, it just does because Absolutely. the 911 that's that's what you're supposed to drive it quickly. Right. Where versus the RCF, yes, it's a fast car, but it's a Grand Tour, and I just you know I figured something you know tra- a manual would be nice in that and all, but I sounded with that with that. But you know, speed. it's funny you mentioned that because the the LFA had a really annoying transmission. Which is really the most shallow gripe any human could come up with. But Which it's is funny true. because it's probably mostly programming because from what I understand, internally those transmissions are almost identical. Lexus has made just leaps and bounds in terms of transmission. I hated the previous generation IS transmissions. Oh, yeah, that was garbage. They were awful. I was looking – when I was going to buy my car, I, I looked at uh, – ISF, you, right? Well – no, I didn't look at an ISF. I was considering it for a little bit, but it was a little more than I wanted to spend on just a daily kind of car. I was looking at uh, IS300s and oh, right. uh, drove a few of them, and I'm like, I can't get past it. Is this the current one or the last one? Last one. Okay. I was looking for something relatively cheap because the newest IS350, you're not going to touch for less than like probably 45 right, at a minimum. Right. And um, it's not that great dynamically. Um, I can't speak to it. I haven't driven the new IS. Uh, you know, I've driven the RCF, but right. I haven't driven the other ones. Um, or wait, no, I did a long time ago, but they were – it was actually pretty good now that I think – yeah, a long time ago I drove the IS350. Yeah. It wasn't bad. Better than the BMW we had at the time. That much I remember. Fair enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's ATSV, uh, and supposedly that's getting a refresh soonish. so I think they're finally going to fix that interior stuff that everybody finds the one thing to gripe about on that car. Right. Uh, and looks I've like, never really had a complaint about. I never really found myself complaining about interior quality on a lot of things. Um, quality maybe, but like you know, in terms of like materials and stuff, you know, it's not that. Everybody not complains about the gauge cluster in the ATSV. Okay, fair enough. That's true. Um, and I'll give it to them, but at the same time, that's not the point of that car. I mean, the point of that car is to just drive like hell. Right. Uh, that car has an amazing chassis. Yeah. And speaking of, that's that's we've got the new Camaro, and uh, I think Matt told me he's going to be driving that in a couple of weeks too, on the current trip that those guys are out filming. Um, so 2016 Camaro is probably going to be pretty spectacular because it's a derivative it's lighter, of that chassis, isn't it? supposedly quite a bit. It's a what chassis? Uh, it's it's that same chassis that the ATS is on. Okay, it's nice. the Alpha platform. That's great. So CTS, ATS, Camaro, all share the same underpinnings. I do have to say, um, one of the last trips I remember was going to a SEMA, and Chevy announced this new track package they could you could get for the Camaro. Any Camaro, you know, newer one, you can get the same suspension as the Z28, mag- um, magnetic dampers and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you get a you get a used Camaro for like thirteen grand or something like that. You buy this new chassis for I think fifteen grand. They're selling it. And you have a world class car. Well, it's new chassis. You're buying new suspension. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. that you was the, the one thing that I remember people would bitch about when the Camaro first came out. Like, oh, you know, what about the suspension and everything. I'm like, 
you'd fix that for two thousand dollars worth of parts. Right. Um, and you could, and lo and behold, that's exactly what GM did. Right. Is they put money into the suspension and the brakes on that car, and it turned into an, an amazing car. Right. Um, so you're talking about the Z28, right? Uh, I'm talking about one LE Z28. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, ZL1, all of them. Right. You know, they put money into well, ZL1 obviously got the big, big motor upgrade, and so did the Z28. But right. Uh, across the board, I mean. But honestly, you put the Z28 suspension into Camaro, you you have a lot of power. Well, the Z28 already. suspension is the Z28 suspension is quite special. I don't know if that. Are you sure that they're selling the Z28 suspension in that? Yeah, because that's the spool valve it's, shocks. It, yeah, they have that. They have okay. that. It's the it's the DSSV spool valve shocks. The um, I believe they call it the Ultimate Track Pack or something like that. There's two tiers. You can buy the one LE suspension as like a four grand upgrade and everything, and that includes like the sway bars and the springs and the dampers. Yeah. And then you get the full on Z28 suspension. And you're, f- yeah, that's pretty ba- badass, awesome, awesome, if you will, awesome, awesome, yes, uh, yeah. So I mean, 2016, it's probably gonna be at least 300 pounds lighter. Nice. Um, I like light cars. It'll have a, certainly the LT1, and the question is whether it's going to be getting the um, uh, four-cylinder turbo or stick with the 3.6 3.6 liter V6 as the base motor. So uh, it'll be interesting times. I, I'm I'm betting they're going to do the four cylinder turbo so that they can go, you know, straight on with the Mustang and go. We've got the same lineup. Pick what you like best. That works. Um, all right. Well, we're 40 minutes in, and uh, Chris, where can they find you? They can find me at Hayes Data on Twitter. That's H A Y E S D A T A. And then, of course, my company Shout Engine. We host the podcast. We host a bunch of them that you probably listen to if you like car stuff. So if you want to get your own podcast going, go to shoutengine.com, and we'll set you up with uh, our basic free account. And that's more than enough for most people to get to show up and going for the first few months. And if you get some traction, throw us a little cash, and we'll uh, treat you even better. Damn right. Get your own damn podcast. You can always find me at BZRONG at Instagram because you really want to see my pictures of the Monterey Aquarium. I took a lot of pictures of jellyfish. I took some pictures of sharks. I took a couple, a lot of boring pictures of coastlines and a picture of a tree. When you hashtag things stingrays, the fans probably get really upset. They're like, these aren't stingrays. No, they're manta rays. Get it right, Chris. Yes. All right. Well, that is uh, episode, episode 103. 103. Well, we'll wait for Jeff to come back in a full Oompa costume. Yes, he'll have done Hawaii and then and then gone off to be with Aston Martin. So uh, he's had a rough. Don't don't cry for me, Arjun. He's had a rough month. Uh, it's today's office, you know. All right. That's it. <laughs> Thank you.